How many of you want peace? I think it's true. I'm sure all of us would like to have peace. The desire for peace is deeply rooted in our human nature. We want peace of mind. We want peace in our homes. We want peace with our children, peace with our spouse, peace with our families. We desire peace at work, peace where we live, peace with our circumstances. We even would like peace with our past. Peace, we, we all desire peace. But you know what? Peace can be very elusive at times. And there are a lot of things that rob us of peace. Inner conflict or disagreements or fear. Fear does more to rob us of our peace than just about anything. Our peace as a nation was rudely interrupted at 8.45 a.m. on September 11th, 2001. And our entire country was thrown into a state of chaos and fear. Not a single civilian plane flew for seven days. Peace was replaced with fear. And suddenly, our whole nation has this obsession with safety. If you travel anywhere in the airports, you remember before 9-11 and after 9-11, you can see how our peace was totally disrupted. Well, events, circumstances, and news stories also can rob us of peace, a sense of well-being. And whether it's a, a national crisis like we're experiencing right now with a, with a government shutdown, or it's a personal crisis, our sense of well-being can be interrupted and disrupted without a moment's notice. We can instantly lose our peace. Today we're finishing our Christmas series entitled, Release the Sound of Joy, the Songs of Christmas. We've looked at, over the last three Sundays, we looked at Mary's song, then we looked at Zachariah's song, and then we looked at Simeon's song. And today we're going to look at probably the most well-known of all the songs, the angel song. The angel song and the promise of peace. The promise of peace. It's God's message to the shepherds and to us. It's to the shepherds, but it's also to us. And I want us to join the story and see what we can learn. It's, it's Luke 2, probably one of the most uh, familiar passages that we have. We used to read it many times, especially at Christmas time, every Christmas, before we opened our gifts. Luke 2, 1 to 14, it's on page 832 in the Bible in front of you. If you want to follow there, or it'll be also on the projection. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of an, the entire Roman world. This was first, the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor 
rests. Christmas in its origin was all about peace. In a world filled with violence and, and uncertainty, turmoil and fear, God literally landed on the planet and divided history into, into B.C. and A.D., before Christ and after Christ. Nothing's been the same ever since. We're going to look at verses primarily 10 to 14 about the message or the song of the angels today. What did they say to the shepherds? And what difference does it make to us here in 2018? The first part of the message was do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Put yourself for a moment in the shepherd's sandals and know that it was very obvious that they were terrified, very afraid. These were simple, poor country folk. They worked the countryside. They were far from civilization. They had never seen an extraterrestrial. They'd never heard about UFOs. They'd never seen movies like Star Trek and Star Wars. They had no imagination about what this could possibly mean. And in the middle of the night, this angel shows up and light shining all over. They were absolutely terrified. And the angel had a message for them, but first of all, had to settle their fears down. Had to settle them down. And he said, do not be afraid. Or he said, stop being afraid. They were terrified. He said, stop being afraid. And that same voice thunders through the years and says to you and to me today, in the world we live in, stop being afraid. Do not be afraid. There are a lot of things that, that bring fear to our lives. A lot of things rob us of our peace. What kinds of things are we afraid of? We watch the news and we see a child has disappeared and we suddenly fear for our children. We see a movie about someone who contracted this incurable disease and we, we start imagining the symptoms. We read an article about early onset Alzheimer's, then we misplace our keys and we find that we placed our cell phone in the refrigerator. You know, things like that kind of happen. What do we fear? There are a lot of things that we, that, that we fear that rob us of peace. Maybe it's the unexpected, afraid of a tragedy or accident or the death of someone that we love. Maybe the unknown. We, we want all the facts and we want to know the plan and, and we don't know the plan and so we feel like we've lost our peace because we don't know what the path is supposed to bring. Maybe it's change. Things change really fast. You just learn one computer program or app and then you download the upgrade and everything changes. And you go, what happened to my iPhone? What happened to my computer? It's just everything changes. We just figured out how to handle an infant and suddenly they're two years old and then they're four years old, then they're teen teenagers and, and we go, what in the world? And then it starts all over again as your grandparents. You know, it just never ends. Change. Maybe it's failure. We're in a performance-based, success-oriented culture. We're afraid to fail. Or maybe it's success. We're afraid if we succeed, what, what will the next challenge bring? Maybe it's conflicts. You're afraid of conflicts. Not, not just world conflicts, but maybe, maybe conflicts at work or someplace that you live. Afraid to say something that could be interpreted as an opinion. You know, we live in this PC culture and everybody's become so paranoid about expressing opinions because we don't want to express the wrong opinion because it might cause conflict. We walk this tightrope of trying to keep peace and conflict avoidance and people-pleasing. Maybe, maybe it's the future. Some fear the future. Some think it's unpredictable. Maybe it's bright. Maybe it's hazy. Maybe it's dark. We look ahead towards all the predictions of 2019 and we kind of get a little nervous and saying, what's going to happen in 2019? Fear robs us of our peace. And God, through his messenger, says to us, 
stop being afraid. Stop being afraid. Why? But what, gives, what gives him the right to say, do not be afraid? Because he says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. This good, this good news is so important that he sent it through a special envoy, a messenger, an angel from God. Now, if we think we need good, good news today, just think back in the historical context in which Jesus was born. The shepherds and the Jewish people really needed good news. They were a nation living under foreign occupation. They had no freedom, they had sky-high taxes, they were a nation in turmoil. These people who believed in the one true God, they believed in the one true God, had not heard his voice in over 400 years. It was as if God was silent. It was as if God had removed himself from the planet. There was darkness, there was gloom, there was emptiness. Their religious system had degenerated into a purely ceremonial religion with external rituals and rites. It was meaningless, it was hopeless, it was dark. This was an awful time to be alive. They were powerless to control their destiny, their faith, their nation. They needed good news. And this good news was that God was coming, their Messiah had come. I don't know if you ever feel like you really, really need good news. You get up in the morning and you say, I hope I get some good news today. How many of you get up in the morning, just the first thing you say, I need good news today. Okay, I need, we need good news. We like to hear good news. We love good news. Good news brings joy. Good news can bring peace, a sense of well-being. Well, what is the good news that this guy brought, this angel brought to them? He said, a savior has been born for you. A savior has been born for you. Now, what is, a, what is a savior? What does it mean, a savior? What is a savior? What do I need a savior for? A savior is someone who saves us. Duh, okay. So what does that mean? Well, when I was in my 20s, I taught swimming and I worked as a lifeguard. And over the period of several years, I had the opportunity and the obligation to save the lives of numbers of potential drowning victims. I saved their life. I was their savior. Now, not to put myself on a pedestal, people save lives every single day. Paramedics, firefighters, police officers, doctors, surgeons, nurses, all kinds of people function to save us from things. What do we need to be saved from? Aside from all the bad news out there, what do we need to be saved from? What did the shepherds need a savior for? In order to understand that, we have to look back centuries before when God created people. The first man and the woman, Adam and Eve, were created by God, and they were given a free will. They're put in this imperfect environment. And they were given parameters or guidelines governing right and wrong. And they had a relationship with the person that created them, this, this God. And he said, here are the parameters. And he gave them guidelines on, on how to operate and how to function within the context of this relationship. They were never forced to do right or wrong. They, they had free will. They got to choose. Unfortunately, at one point, they chose wrong. And in, in a free exercise of their will, they chose to rebel against their father God and go their own way. And the, this act of rebellion, the Bible calls sin. Sin. That action created a schism or a break in the relationship, much like if you and I got into a disagreement or fight, 
it creates a barrier a gap. There's just something between us because we have this fight or disagreement. And that, that barrier, that gap needs to be bridged by someone. Someone needs to help restore that broken relationship to bring the two sides together. In Romans 5.12, in the message, it says, you know the story of how Adam landed us in the dilemma we're in. First sin, then death, and no one exempt from either sin or death. That sin disturbed relations with God in everything and everyone. So there's this disturbed relationship, this schism between God and his created beings. And so the good news is that God said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send somebody to do something about this. I'm gonna send a savior to save you from that dilemma. N.T. Wright says, it's Christmas that is the moment when God launched a divine rescue mission of all mankind. A divine rescue mission of all mankind. And God didn't just condescend to come to earth as a human. He came as a helpless infant. The king of kings was born amid barnyard animals and piles of hay after his lowly parents were turned away from better lodgings. When the Magi came to see the Lord, there was no security on hand to judge whether they were worthy because the Messiah was approachable. He was both one of us and at the same time, God with us. He was flesh, he would hunger, he would bleed, he would love, he would thirst, and he would die. None of this could have happened had he not been born fully human. And we cannot have true lasting peace. We cannot have true lasting peace until that relationship with God is totally restored. We, we can't do that on our own. Someone has to save us from ourselves, from our sin. Romans 5.19 in God's Word version says, clearly through one person's disobedience, Adam's, humanity became sinful, and through one person's obedience, humanity will receive God's approval. That one person was Jesus. That's why he came. And that's why he said he's gonna be a savior. He's gonna be a savior. Jesus became our savior. So the messenger tells the shepherds, the messenger tells us, today a savior has been born for you. There, there's, a, there's a sense of personal relationship that he's talking about. He's been born for you. Every one of us can personalize that for you. It's not just Jesus came for the world. Yes, he did. But he said a savior was born for you, for you. Jesus became one of us, extended his hand to save us, to reestablish that relationship long lost. Christmas is the beginning of Christianity, the second chance for the world, the moment when God launched that divine rescue mission of mankind. And with this rescue mission came something called peace. We're back to that, peace. He says, glory to God and peace to all people. Glory to God and peace to all people. Jesus came to bring peace. The first, first area that he came to bring peace was peace with God. He said, I, I'm coming so that you can have peace with God. That's foundational because until we have peace with God, all the other, all the other parts are, aren't gonna work. Peace with God. Admitting that we are sinners, ask God's forgiveness, accept Jesus' sacrifice, ask Jesus to come into our life and take charge, and making Jesus our personal 
Savior. It must be a decision we make personally. No one else can make that decision for you. Whether you were baptized as an infant or something was done as a child or your parents followed Jesus, your grandpa, whatever, this needs to be your decision where you make a personal decision. Peace with God. That's the foundation. And, and following that is peace with ourselves. When we establish a relationship with God, our creator, through Jesus, then we can find peace with self. Understanding that God created each of us unique and valuable and special and accept our specialness and, and say, God, I accept who I am and I thank you that you made me exactly who I am. Accept our specialness. And following that, when we have a relationship with God and we we're, have peace internally, we can have peace with circumstances. All the circumstances out there, all the turmoil, all of those other things, when we know God, we know that he's in control. We know that he's going to take care of us. All of those things. Peace with our circumstances. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who are called of God according to his purpose. And we can look at all that turmoil. And you know what? You can, you can ride above those circumstances, all the things you read in the news, everything that you see. You can have peace because God has you in his hand. And then we can have peace with people. Peace with people. So if we can have peace, we have to ask the question, because we look around ourselves and ask the question, why is the world filled with so much turmoil? Why is there no peace out in our world? Interesting, a, a man named Jettison Franklin wrote an opinion piece entitled, How to Make Peace in a World Full of Hate. How to make peace in a world full of hate. He writes, we're told in the story of Christ's birth that he was sent to bring peace on earth. All throughout the Old and New Testaments, God echoes his promise of peace and he invites us to be part of the process as well. He said, blessed, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. And I don't know how much of the nightly news you've been watching, but it looks to me like we could use a little peacemaking. And I'm not talking just about Israel or Yemen or Venezuela. I'm talking about amongst our very own family members, friends, and neighbors. Take a, he writes, take a quick scroll through social media and you'll see family members in a war of words over political disagreements. Friendships are often ruined with one harsh word. Neighbors never speak again after one trivial dispute. Perhaps you can recall a moment when you contributed to anger and division yourself. It's clear to me that we desperately need Christ to work in our lives to teach us how to respond in an age of perpetual conflict. It's so easy in our technologically advanced era to hide behind a screen and foster division with harsh rhetoric, thinking there'll be no larger consequences, but there most certainly will be. But the version of peace that we're talking about is unattainable without, without Jesus. We are incapable of being peacemakers or having peace or dealing with peace or dealing with conflict without the power of Jesus Christ inside each one of us. Just as we are unable to be sinless and perfect in our own strength, he writes, we are unable to make peace with someone using our own strength. And the only way we can find lasting peace is by submitting our lives to the Prince of Peace. And we need Jesus to do that. 
He said, this Christmas, humble yourself before the Lord and ask him to fill you with his spirit and give you the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Not simply a temporary transaction of peace like a ceasefire agreement between nations or a court settlement amongst bitter enemies, but real and lasting peace, the kind that is anchored deep within our hearts and our minds. A world without peace is, is not new. Our nation experienced a time much like today, a lot like today, which in the 1800s resulted in the Civil War, the war between the states. And on Christmas Day in 1863, 1863, during the Civil War, a poet named Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, a 57-year-old widowed father of six children, the oldest of which had been nearly paralyzed as his country fought a war against itself, wrote a poem seeking to capture the dynamic and dissonance in his own heart and the world he observed around him. On Christmas Day, that December day, he heard the Christmas bells and he heard the singing of peace on earth. But he observed the world of injustice and violence that seemed to mock the truthfulness of this optimistic outlook. The theme of listening recurred throughout the poem and eventually leading to a settledness of confident hope even in the midst of bleak despair. This poem he wrote that day later became a song entitled, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. He said, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the heart stones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we pray today that you would build our faith in the fact that you are in control. And no matter what we see around us, the hate, the, uh, the disunity, the, the disturbing news that we see and, and hear of, the lack of peace, the conflicts, I pray that we would turn to you and realize that, that you are the author of that peace in our hearts. And you are also the author of that peace throughout our world. But we can't do that without your, your incredibly powerful Holy Spirit doing that in our lives. But that's why you, Jesus, came to bring peace that was the promise of peace that we still, we can partake of it sometimes partially now, but in the future someday fully as we know that it's peace on earth and goodwill 
to men. Let's stand, shall we? Just to let you know, inside of every program, there's a Connect card. And if you prayed that prayer with Pastor Namian for the very first time, and uh, you want to let us know, you can put your name, you can put whatever information you're comfortable on this card, and put an X in the box in the right-hand corner. Just put an X in there. You can put it in the offering box as you leave. Also, if you have prayer requests or if you are here as a guest for the first time, uh, we'd like to send a thank you letter and a free caribou card. So if you'd like to receive that, you can fill that out and put it in the offering box as well. Um, and uh, that's... Uh, don't forget... Next Sunday is, is Christmas Sunday, and then Christmas Eve, Carol's by Candlelight, is Christmas Eve at 4 p.m. 
4 p.m., just a great time where we just sing a bunch of carols, uh, a short message, but a, a children's story, uh, just an awesome time together as family, very informal. Uh, plan to come invite people. There are a lot of people that will come to uh, Christmas Eve service. They may not feel comfortable coming to a regular Sunday service, but a Christmas Eve service they may. Um, and so want to invite you to do that. Now, <clears throat> before we leave, I just want to say one thing. Um, there was quite a difference between the service last Sunday and the service this Sunday. Can somebody tell me what the difference was? We had, today we had nursery um, covered. We don't have enough nursery attendants or workers to cover all the Sundays. The second Sunday of the month needs to be covered. I'm not saying that to lay a guilt trip. I'm just saying we need some help. Okay, we need we need some help, um, and if and if you if God will speak to your heart about getting involved in that, we do a, a full a nationwide background check for our nursery workers. We do all of that. We want to have a safe environment for our children, and we want to have uh, the availability of nursery for parents so that they can actually concentrate and and their children can be cared for uh, in the nursery. So so if God would speak to you about getting involved in that, please talk to Pastor Damien or me. Um, if you don't want to talk to either one of us, you can call Randy in the office. That would be fine as well. But uh, we, do, we do need some help and, uh, and stepping up on that so that um, God's sending us young families. We have this awesome children's thing. I want to thank Scott and Sheila this morning and the team to doing that. Sheila, back, why don't you stand up? Thank you. Yes. A lot of time and energy and uh, and of course, our, our children's director, Nancy, uh, does an awesome job with those kids. So thank you for standing. So, what a great way, way to start this week. And uh, I want to invite you to stand as we uh, are dismissed with God's blessing. It's benediction. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship and the power of the Holy Spirit be and abide with all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen.
with fire.